a story, and she will rescue her brothers. No, no clue being there. There are some minor evil characters in this story, but overall, it is a feel-good story and an exciting adventure filled with sacrifice, dedication, and love. I hope tonight's extra-long story distracts your squirrels, calms your mind, and helps you to fall asleep. And you may be wondering why an extra-long story time tonight. It is because I have an extra sponsor, so that means you get a longer story to fully sedate your stress squirrels. I also need that sometimes. Getting to sleep has never been easy for me. I just lie there forever with my squirrels chattering away. I've tried meditation mindfulness, yoga, and counting sheep, which is a form of torture to me. But I've recently tried New Calm. It's a new method for relaxation and a sponsor of this episode. The thing that I love the most about New Calm is how simple it is. You just sit there quietly with a biosignal disc on your wrist while listening to neuroacoustic software with your eyes closed. And magical relaxation happens. No drugs, no side effects, and it all costs less than a daily cup of coffee. Do what I did. Own the day with Newcom by using my special link. Get 50% off your 30-day subscription of Newcom and their money-back guarantee by going to whispersnewcom.com. That's whispers. show notes. Now, listening to me every night is a great way to distract your squirrels from your stressful thoughts at bedtime. But to best inhibit your pesky squirrels and improve your mental health, you may want to consider better help the other sponsor of this episode. BetterHelp will connect you within 24 hours with a licensed professional 
therapist. Get the help you deserve from the comfort of your own home, which is more convenient and affordable than traditional offline counseling. Here is a review of BetterHelp by someone who is struggling with depression, stress, and anxiety. Dr. Sayed is very easy to talk to and open up to, and is very receptive and supportive of my needs. I was having trouble sleeping, which prompted me to sign up, and after just a few sessions with her, I'm not having that problem anymore. End quote. So, you may not even need me and this podcast after using BetterHelp. And yes, yes, I truly want that for you. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. And that's H-E-L-B by using my special discount link BetterHelp.com slash whispers. And for your ease, I put that special discount link in the show notes of this episode. Now, on to tonight's curious tale. Tonight's story is The Eleven Swans by Hans Christian Andersen. Far away dwelt a king who had eleven sons and one daughter named Eliza. These children were indeed happy, but it was not to remain so forever. Their father, who was the king of the country, married a very wicked queen who didn't love the poor children at all. They knew this from the very first day after the wedding. Instead of giving the children all the cakes and fruits that were left from the wedding festivities, she gave them a lump of sand in a teacup and told them to pretend that was a cake. The week after, she sent Eliza into the country to a peasant and his wife. Then the new queen told the king so many untrue things about the young princes that he gave himself no more trouble respecting them. Go out into the world and get your own living, said the queen. I curse you princes to the world as wretched birds. But she couldn't make them as ugly as she wished, for they were turned into eleven beautiful swans. Then they flew through the windows of the palace, over the park, into the forest beyond, 
was early morning when they passed over the peasant's cottage, where their sister Eliza lay asleep in her room. They kept flying over the wide world until they came to a thick, dark wood, which stretched far away to the seashore. On most days, poor little Eliza was alone in her room, playing with her green leaf, because she had no other playthings. One day passed just like another, and Eliza grew into a smart, confident, and pious young woman. At the age of fifteen, Eliza returned home, but when the queen saw how mature and intelligent she was, she became full of spite and hatred towards her. The queen devised a plan against Eliza. Early one morning, the queen went into the bathroom. She took three magical toads with her and said to one of them, When Eliza comes to the bath, seat yourself on her head, so that she may become as stupid as you are. Then the queen said to another toad, Place yourself on her forehead, so that she may become as ugly as you are, and that her father may not recognize her. Third toad, she whispered, Rest on her heart, then she will have evil inclinations and be despicable. So she put the toads into the bath water and called for Eliza. As Eliza dipped her head under the water, the three toads rested on her as instructed. Eliza was too good and innocent for the queen's evil magic to work on her. Instead, the frogs simply turned into beautiful flowers and floated in the tub. When the disappointed queen saw this, she offered to brush Eliza's hair and put some night cream on her. But the queen did it such a way to make Eliza ugly and unrecognizable to her father the king. When her father saw her, he was shocked and declared she was not his daughter. Poor Eliza wept, and she thought of her eleven brothers, who were all far away. With sorrow in her heart, she left the palace and walked the whole day until she came to the great forest where her brothers were. She couldn't find them at first, so she laid herself down on the soft moss and fell asleep. When she awoke in the morning, she heard water rippling on a nearby lake. Eliza went down to the water and saw how still and reflective the surface was. 
as soon as Eliza saw her own face in the water, she saw how ugly the queen had made her look. She bathed in the lake and cleaned herself up. She dressed herself again, braided her long hair, and continued to explore the forest. She had not gone many steps forward when she met an old woman with berries in her basket who gave her some to eat. Eliza asked her if she'd seen eleven princes in the forest. No, replied the old woman, but yesterday I saw eleven swans with gold crowns on their heads swimming on the river close by. The old woman pointed in the direction of the river. Eliza bade the old woman farewell and walked by the flowing river until she reached the shore of the open sea. She continued exploring the seashore, hoping to find her brothers. When the sun was about to set, Eliza saw eleven white swans with golden crowns on their heads flying towards the land. They flew one behind the other like a long white ribbon. Eliza went down the slope from the shore and hid herself behind the bushes to see what might happen. The swans landed quite close to her and flapped their great white wings. As soon as the sun had fully set, the feathers on the swans fell off, and eleven beautiful princes, Eliza's brothers, stood near her. She uttered a loud cry, for although they were very much changed, she still knew who they were immediately. She sprang into their arms and called them each by name. Although she had also grown tall and mature, the princes recognized her and were happy to see her. They all laughed, they all wept, and soon understood how wickedly their mother had acted to them all. We brothers, said the eldest, fly about as wild swans during the day, but at sunset we turn back into humans. We don't live here, but in a land far across the ocean. But now we have found you, our dear little sister. We must soon fly back to where we live. But how can we take you with us? We don't have a ship or a boat. The sister was focused less on a ship and more on the bigger problem. How can I break this spell, she said. And then she thought about it nearly the whole night, only slumbering for a few hours. Eliza was awakened 
by the rustling of the swan's wings as they soared above. Her brothers were again changed to swans, and they flew in circles wider and wider till they were far away. One of them, the youngest swan, remained behind and stayed with Eliza the whole day. Towards evening, the rest came back, and as the sun went down, they resumed their human forms. Tomorrow, said one, we shall fly away, not to return again until a whole year has passed. It is part of our curse, but we can't leave you here. Do you think all of our wings are strong enough to be able to carry you in a woven net over the sea? Yes, I think so. Do take me with you, said Eliza. They spent the whole night weaving a net from pliant willow and rushes. The net was very large and strong. Eliza laid herself down on it to sleep. Her brothers took up the net with their beaks and flew up to the clouds with their dear sleeping sister. They were far from land when Eliza finally woke. She thought she must be dreaming. It seemed so strange to feel herself being carried so high in the air above the sea. By her side lay a branch full of beautiful ripe berries and a bundle of sweet roots. The youngest of her brothers had gathered them for her and placed them by her side. She smiled her thanks to him. They were now so high that a large ship beneath them looked like a white seagull skimming the waves. Onward the whole day, they flew through the air like a winged arrow, yet more slowly than usual, for they had their sister to carry. Eliza watched the sinking sun with great anxiety. When the sun set, they would change to men, fall into the sea, and be drowned if they didn't reach a place to land in time. It appeared to her as if the swans were making great efforts, but with a slow progress. She knew her added weight was the cause of their not advancing more quickly. She offered a prayer from her innermost heart, but still, no appearance of a place to land. Then the swans suddenly darted down so swiftly that Liza's head trembled. She thought they were falling but they again soared onward. Presently, she caught sight of a rock just below them, and the sun was almost set. The rock didn't appear 
larger than a seal's head thrust out of the water. At the moment their feet touched the rock, the sun fell below the horizon. She saw her brothers standing closely around her with their arms linked together. There was just enough room for them all on this rock and not the smallest space to spare. The sea dashed against the rock and covered them with spray throughout the long, crowded night. Finally, at sunrise, the swans flew away from the rock with Eliza. As the sun rose higher, Eliza saw before her a range of mountains with shining masses of ice on their summits. In the center rose a castle, apparently a mile long, with rows of columns rising one above the other. She asked if this was the land to which they were heading. The swans shook their heads no, for what she beheld was the beautiful cloud palace of the Vata Morgana. This was a magical place that no mortal was allowed to enter. Eliza could see twenty stately churches with high towers and pointed Gothic windows. Eliza even fancied she could hear the tones of the organ, but it was the music of the murmuring sea which she really heard. At last, she saw the real land to which they were headed, with its blue mountains, cedar forests, cities, and palaces. At last, they landed. Eliza sat on a rock in front of a large cave. The youngest brother asked her what she hoped to dream about. Heaven grant that I may dream about how to save you, she replied. Sure enough, the old woman with the berries came to her in a dream and said, Your brothers can be released if you have only courage and perseverance. Do you see this stinging nettle which I hold in my hand? Quantities of the same sort around the cave in which you sleep, but none be of any use to you unless they grow upon the graves in a churchyard. These you must gather even while they burn blisters in your hands. Break them to pieces with your hands and with your feet, and they will become flax. Spin and weave the flax into eleven coats with long sleeves. If these are then thrown over the eleven swans, the spell will be broken. But from the moment you begin your task until it is finished, you cannot speak, even if the task takes you years 
the first word you utter will prevent your brothers from being free from the curse. Their futures hang on your tongue. Remember all I have told you. As she finished speaking, she touched her hand lightly with the nettle, and a pain as of burning fire awoke Eliza. It was broad daylight, and close by where she had been sleeping lay a nettle like the one she'd seen in her dream. She fell on her knees with gratitude and hope. She went forth from the cave to begin her work with her delicate hands. She groped amongst the ugly nettles, which burnt great blisters on her hands and her arms. But she was determined to bear it gladly if she could only release her dear brothers. So she bruised the nettles with her bare feet and spun the flax. At sunset, her brothers returned and were very much frightened when they found her unwilling to speak. They believed it to be some new sorcery of their wicked stepmother. But she gestured enough with her hands to help them to understand that what she was doing was on their behalf. It made the youngest brother weep, and where his tears fell, the pain ceased for Eliza, and the burning blisters vanished. She kept to her work all night, for she couldn't rest until she'd released her dear brothers. During the whole of the following day, while her brothers were absent, she sat in solitude, but never before had the time flown so quickly. One coat was already completed, and she'd begun the second when she heard the huntsman's horn, and she was struck with fear. The sound came closer and closer. She heard dogs barking and fled with concern into the cave. She quickly bound together the nettles she gathered into a bundle and pushed them aside. Immediately, a great dog came bounding towards her at the ravine, and then another, and another. The dogs barked loudly, ran back, and then came again. In a couple minutes, all the huntsmen stood before the cave, and the most handsome one of them all was the king of the country. He advanced towards her, for he was worried about her safety and her health. How did you come here, my sweet child? he asked. But Eliza shook her head. She dared not speak at the cost of her brother's lives. She hid her hands under her apron so the king might not see how she was suffering. But he saw her hands anyway and expressed concerns. Come with me, he said. We can't remain here in these unsafe conditions. I can tell by your lack of fear and confidence 
that you are an intelligent and pious woman, but I can't leave you here in this dangerous forest with those blistered fingers. She wasn't sure what to do. She needed to stay, but she couldn't explain that to him. He could see that his intentions were noble. He helped her onto his horse. She wrung her hands about this dilemma, and the king said, I wish only for your happiness and safety. Don't be afraid. He then galloped away over the mountains, holding her before him on his horse, and the hunters followed behind them. As the sun went down, they approached a fair royal city with churches and cupolas. On arriving at the castle, the king led her into marble halls with large fountains and where the walls and the ceilings were covered with rich paintings. But Eliza had no eyes for all these glorious sights. She could only think of her brothers. Patiently, she allowed the women to array her in royal robes, to weave pearls into her hair, and draw soft gloves over her blistered fingers. As she stood before them in all her rich dress, some murmured that she was an outcast who didn't belong with them. Many in the court in the castle didn't accept her presence and thought she was a witch. So the king decided to marry her to show everyone that he trusted her and she should be respected by everyone. He ordered the music to sound, the daintiest dishes to be served, and the loveliest maidens to dance. Afterwards, he led her through fragrant gardens and lofty halls, but not a smile appeared on her lips or a sparkle in her eyes. She looked the very picture of grief. The king opened the door of a lovely little chamber in which she was to sleep. He had it decorated to look like the cave in which he found her, except, of course, it was much more cozy and blush. Eliza got excited when she saw what also was in her room. On the floor lay the bundle of flax, which she had spun from the nettles, and under the ceiling hung the coat she had completed. These things had been brought from the caves as curiosities by one of the huntsmen. Here you can dream yourself back again in the old home in the cave, said the king. Here is the work with which you employed yourself. It may amuse you now, in the midst of all this splendor, for you to be able to think of that time. When Eliza saw all these things which lay so near her heart, 
a smile played around her mouth, and the crimson blood rushed back to her cheeks. She thought of her brothers, and their release made her so joyful that she kissed the king's hand. Very soon, the joyous church bells announced the marriage feast, and that the silent girl from the woods was to be made the queen of the country. Over time, she grew fond of the kind, handsome king, who did everything to make her happy more and more each day. If she could only confide in him and tell him everything. But silent she must remain until her task was finished. Each night, she went into her own chamber and quickly wove one coat after another. When she began the seventh coat, she discovered she didn't have any more flax. She knew that the nettles she wanted to use grew in the churchyard, and that she must pluck them herself. With a trembling heart, as if she were about to perform a wicked deed, she snuck out and crept into the garden in the broad moonlight. She passed through the narrow walks and the deserted streets till she reached the churchyard. The churchyard was dark and shadowy, ironically looking like a place of ill intent. She moved skillfully through the shadows, finding some nettles, but not enough to finish the coat. One person had seen her, and that was the archbishop. He was awake while everybody else was asleep. He'd been suspicious of her ever since she arrived to the castle. Now, he thought his opinion was correct as he watched her hide and prance in the shadows. All was not right with this new queen. Secretly, he told the king what he had seen and that he feared she might be a witch. Two large tears rolled down the king's cheeks. He went home with doubt in his heart, and at night he pretended to sleep, but there came no real sleep to his sad eyes. From day to day, his brow became darker, and Eliza saw it and didn't understand the reason. In the meantime, she'd almost finished her task. Only one coat was left to finish, but she had no flax left, and not a single nettle was left. Once more, and for the last time, must she venture to the churchyard to find a few more handfuls. Eliza went, and the king and the archbishop followed her. They saw her vanish through the gate into the churchyard and branched through the dark shadows like a witch. The king saw this and said, she must be expelled 
faraway land. Eliza was led to a dark, dreary prison cell where the wind whistled through the iron bars. As further punishment, they gave her the coats which she had woven as her only blankets and the bundles of meadows for a pillow. And nothing could have pleased her more. She continued her task with joy, even while the street boys sang jeering songs about her, and not a soul comforted her with a kind word. Towards evening, she heard the flutter of a swan's wing. It was her youngest brother. He had found his sister, and she sobbed with joy. Her task was almost finished and her brothers were on their way. The archbishop soon arrived to her cell to be with her during her last hours as he had promised the king. But she begged him not to stay, for in this night she knew she must finish her task. Otherwise, all her pain and tears and sleepless nights would have been in vain. The archbishop withdrew, uttering bitter words against her, and Eliza diligently continued her work. Kind little mice ran above the floor and dragged the nettles to her feet to help her out. A kind thrush sat outside her window and sang to her the whole night long as sweetly as possible to keep up her spirits. It was still twilight and at least an hour before sunrise when the eleven brothers stood at the castle gate and demanded to be brought before the king. They were told it could not be was yet almost night, and as the king slept, they dared not disturb him. The brothers demanded, with all their determination, to see the king. Then the guards appeared, and even the king himself, asking what all this noise was about. At this moment, the sun rose. Eleven brothers disappeared, and eleven wild swans flew away over the castle. And now all the people came streaming forth from the gates of the city to see the witch expelled from the castle. Eliza arrived on a cart which was pulled by an old horse. They had dressed her in a coarse sackcloth. Her hair was scrackled. Her cheeks were deadly pale. Her lips moved silently, but her fingers still worked at the green flax. Even on the way to her demise, she wouldn't give up her task. Ten goats lay at her feet. She was working hard at the eleventh, 
while the mob jeered at her and said, See the witch. She sits there with her ugly sorcery. Dismiss her to faraway lands. As the mob yelled, eleven wild swans flew over her and landed on a cart. They flapped their large wings to protect their sister, pushing the mob back in alarm. It's a sign from heaven that she is innocent, whispered many of them. She quickly threw the eleven coats over the swans, and they suddenly became eleven handsome princes. Now I may finally speak, she cried out with relief. She explained to everyone how her brothers had been cursed, and that she only went to the churchyard to help them. The scared mob was slowly won over. They listened and nodded as the brothers also supported her story. The king also listened, nodded, and smiled with the greatest of happiness. It wasn't long before a huge and well-attended celebration took place. A new wedding to rebond the king and his outspoken queen that he adored. This is the end of tonight's storytime episode. I hope you feel deeply relaxed and calm. If you'd like to listen to more storytime episodes right now, then feel free to click the link in the show notes or visit sleepwhispers.com immediate access to over 250 more episodes of Sleep Whispers. Or perhaps 